Has God ever given you a promise? A promise that he was going to do something? A promise that you would go somewhere? A promise that you would see this thing come to pass? But instead of waiting on God and the timing of his purpose for your life, you decided to devise your own plan. What we fail to realize is that God doesn't operate in plan. God operates in purpose. Every battle that we have ever faced in our life or will ever face has been already orchestrated by God. The battle is not ours, but the battle belongs to the Lord. So whenever we fail to consult God and his purpose for our lives, whenever we fail to follow God's purpose and start relying on our own plans, we are setting ourselves up for failure to lose the battle. I am Elder Shanina Walker, and today on Let's Wrap, we'll be starting our brand new series entitled, Is It Gonna Be Your Plan or God's Purpose? One of our key scriptures today is gonna be coming from Proverbs, the 19th chapter, beginning at the 21st verse. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that shall prevail. Let's wrap. As we begin our study and we begin to look at what plans mean, the word plan means details purposely, set by someone for achieving or doing something. A plan is typically a design or a list of steps which detail a timing or resource used to achieve an objective to do something. It is commonly a temporal set of intended actions through which one expects to achieve a present or future goal. So according to this definition, when we look at the word plan, it's safe to say that a plan is something that is set by someone um, to achieve or to do something. It is typically uh, a list of steps and details and timing and resources that we need in order to get to where we wanna get to. A commonly temporal set of attended actions. We can't see the future. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we set up these temporal set of attended actions with hopes that we're going to be able to achieve or get to our future present goals. Only God knows beyond our plans. Only God knows beyond tomorrow. He can see our future. This is why God does not operate in plan. God operates in purpose. Now, Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us, he says, for I know the plans, which means purpose, I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. God knows the plans that he already has designed for our life. In other words, his purpose is to cause you to prosper. His plans, his purpose is to give you a future and a hope. I submit to you today that a lot of times we mess up as people of God because we fail to fully get a clear understanding of the difference between plan and purpose. When we begin to think about plan, remember that a plan is an intended set of actions that are set in place to achieve or get to a specific place or get to a specific goal in our lives. But when we begin to talk about purpose, purpose is a whole nother situation. Purpose is the reason for which something is done or created. The manufacturer's reason for which something exists. The truth of the matter is a lot of us have spent many of years making our own plans, trying to decide even from the time we were young, what it is that we want to be, what it is that we want to do in our lives. So we plan our lives out when we're in high school, when it's time to graduate, we're planning to go to college. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a teacher. I plan to go to school four years. I plan to join the military. I plan to get married. I plan to do this. I plan to do that. When the bottom line is God doesn't operate in plan. 
before the foundation of this world, God already had a purpose for your life. So we have to go back to the manufacturer. We have to consult God to see what God purpose is for our life. We have to understand that operating in purpose and to operate in plan is two totally different things. How do we know the difference between plan and purpose? I'm glad you asked. When we operate in plan, plan is surface. Our plans can be surface. Our plans are, have the tendency to change. They're subject to change depending on what's happening, our environment, where we're going, where we are, how we feel at the moment. Our plans have the tendency to be self-serving and rooted in selfish motives. How many times that you've decided I'm going to do this because this is what I want to do. I don't want to do this because I don't feel like doing it. It's all about me, me, me. Our plans can be selfish. Our plans can destroy lives and create division. Have you ever come up with the perfect plan and you thought it was foolproof? You thought that nothing could go wrong, that this is going to come off without a hitch. I know me personally growing up many times, I made my own plans. My parent or my mother may have told me, no, don't do that. Don't go there. But I snuck and I created my little plan anyway. And I thought, I'm just going to go to the party. She's not going to know anything about it. And boom, something happened. Had to end up calling my parent and now I'm exposed from my little plan. Somebody listening to me right now knows exactly what I'm talking about. You might have created your little plan. You're just going to sneak out. You're just going to creep out and nobody going to know that I'm cheating on my husband, that I'm creeping or I'm sneaking. And bam, all of a sudden you get exposed and now you've destroyed many lives. You created division among all your friends, your family, your loved ones. We cannot allow ourselves to become self-reliant and relying on our own plans. We have to always keep in mind that it's going to be God's purpose and not our plan. When we begin to talk about purpose, God's purpose is deeply rooted in us from the foundation of the world. God's purpose for our lives never changes. Our plans change. Remember, our plans are fickle. Our plans change depending on what we're going through. But God's purpose for your life will never change. No one can hinder or change God's purpose for your life. You'll always know when you're operating in your purpose because life purpose consists of the central motivating aim of your life. Now, what do I mean by that? The central motivating aim of your life? Your purpose is the reason you get up in the morning. Your purpose is the reason you can get up at 5 a.m. in the morning and go to prayer. It's the reason you can't go to bed without thinking about your purpose. It's the reason you're operating your purpose. No matter what you try to do, somehow God always leads you back to your purpose. You can try to get away from it. You can decide, I don't want to do this. You'll still find yourself at some time or another operating in your purpose. You remember the song that says, I said I wasn't going to tell nobody, but I can't keep it to myself. That's how your purpose is. That thing is deep rooted in you. It's in you from the foundation of the world. So there's nothing you could do to get away from your purpose. As a matter of fact, if you're like me, I found myself most miserable, incomplete, overwhelmed, even lost. There's been times in my life when I found myself most miserable, trying to be conformed to what man wanted me to be conformed to, or, or trying to or allowing people to put me in a box, trying to keep me stagnant in a certain place or position when that was not my purpose. That's not what God promised me. We have to be so careful that we continue to hold on to that thing, which God has promised us that we continue to operate in the purpose of which God created us to operate in. 
Now, unlike a plan that can destroy lives and cause division, a purpose is totally different. A, a purpose can guide life decisions. A purpose can influence behavior. Purpose can shape goals. Purpose can offer a sense of direction and create meaning for your life. For some people, purpose is uh, connected to a vocation, meaningful, satisfying work. However, what I love about God, it is not considered work when you're operating your purpose. And as I begin to think about my own line of work, everybody that know me personally, they know that I'm an artist. They know that I love to paint. I love to draw. They know that I'm a face painter. I've never been to an event where I felt like I was working. It always felt like this is what I was purposed to do. I love to teach. I love to preach. I love to expound on God's word. I've never felt like it was a task or a burden to do what God has called me or created in me to do. It only becomes a task or a burden is when I allow people to box me into a box or I begin to try to operate outside of the scope of what God has called me to. When I begin to try to walk in someone else's calling instead of my own, that's when we get in trouble. I'll be the first to tell you that it has taken me some time, but I found out as long as I do what God has created me to do. As long as I'm in God's purpose, as long as I'm walking in his will, he lets me know in his word that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He let me know that life is going to be good for me. I found that his grace is sufficient for me as long as I stay in his purpose and do what he has called me to. Now, when we look at third John one and two, third John tells us in the first chapter, in the second verse, he calls me beloved. And he tells us, he said, he wished above all things that we will prosper and be in good health, even as our soul prosper. If you're listening to me right now, you know that I'm not on this podcast trying to tell you that I've always walked in purpose. The truth of the matter is, it's just the opposite. There's been times in my life when I found myself getting into trouble, when I made decisions and, and I interjected my own plans into God's purpose, or even worse, I disobeyed his commandment and what he told me to do altogether. I'm almost certain that I'm not alone. I know many of you listening to me right now may have that same testimony. As a matter of fact, I know I'm not alone. Now, when we begin to look at Joshua, that's what we're going to be covering today. Joshua, the seventh chapter, we can see in the scripture where Joshua also had a tendency to want to interject his plans into God's purpose. Now, as I begin my study on the book of Joshua, it is clearly evident what began to unfold in these chapters. We can clearly see where Joshua, as well as the children of Israel, Achan and his family, we can see what happened to them as a result of trying to interject their plan into God's purpose. So we're going to begin reading at Joshua, the seventh chapter, beginning at the second verse. Now, Joshua sent men from Jericho, to I, which is beside Beth Avon on the east side of Bethel and spoke to them saying, go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out I, and they returned to Joshua and said unto him, do not let all the people go up, but let about two or 3000 men go up and attack. I do not worry all the people there for the people of I or few. So about 3,000 men went up there from the people, but they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down about 36 men, for they chased them bef from before the gate as far as Shabiram and struck them down on the descent. Therefore the heart of the people melted and became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. He and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. 
And Joshua said at last, Lord God, why have you brought this people over Jordan at all to deliver us into the hand of the Amorite to destroy us? Oh, that we have been content to dwell on the other side of Jordan. Oh, Lord, what shall I say when Israel turn its back before its enemy? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut off our names from the earth. We can clearly see from these verses, things had not gone according to his plan, and rightly so. I submit to you today that Joshua found out the hard way that his plans were no match against God's purpose. Here he is in verse 6. We're finding him bowing his face down to the ground all day long to the art of the Lord in sorrow, trying to figure out what happened. How did he get to this place? I'm sure he must have been wondering how God could allow this to happen to him. After all, how could the Lord have set him up for defeat? The Lord said he was on their side and he would give them the land. I'm sure this thing was leaving Joshua scratching his head in disbelief. Now the Bible says that Joshua was in so much sorrow about being defeated that he began to blame the Lord for letting the Amorites destroy them. Not only would the word spread throughout the land that Israel had been defeated by their enemy, but even worse, he was afraid that once the word got out, the Canaanites and all the other people of the land would hear about it and they would try to surround them and kill them. I cannot even imagine how Joshua must have felt in this instant because how many know that most of the time our enemies are just waiting on us to mess up. They're waiting on you to make a mistake they, so they all can get together and come against you. It's funny, half of them don't even like you, but when it comes to defeating you, they're willing to unite. I'm almost certain right about here, Joshua had to be at a very low point. Anybody ever felt like they've been defeated? Felt like the Lord had left you hanging in the midst of a battle? Have you ever felt like a foreigner in a strange land, surrounded by people wanting to kill you, people wanting to kill your vision, people wanting to stifle your dream, people wanting to keep you from your purpose? Joshua began to question the Lord saying, when they surround us and kill us, then what? What will you do for your own great name? In other words, don't you care about your name? This is for your name's sake. As I begin to think about the things that Joshua was saying to the Lord, ain't it funny how quick we can say things like that after the fact? But when we were formulating and manipulating, it was all about our name, what we've done. But as soon as it goes left, it's interesting how we don't have no problem doing whatever we want to do whenever we want to do it. But as soon as we get in trouble, as soon as things get rough, we want to fall out. We want to rent our clothes and roll on the dirt and blame the Lord like Joshua. As we begin to look back at the seventh chapter and the 10th verse, it is here that we can see that only after the Lord allowed Joshua the opportunity to rant and to rave, the Lord decides to give him an answer. Because up to this point, God was silent and Joshua was doing all the talking. Have anybody ever had a Joshua experience? Anybody ever had the Lord go silent on you? I have found out there are times when God have commanded us to do certain things and we do something different than what he commanded us that he won't say one word. He'll just sit there and let you do it your way. And then he let us deal with the consequences of our own plans. And finally, just like Joshua, the Lord will say enough, enough of your pity party, enough of your antics. The 10th verse says that he said to Joshua, get up. Joshua 7 and 10. And so the Lord said unto Joshua, get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? 
Israel has sinned and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I command them for they have taken the accused things. They have both stolen and deceived. They have also put it among their own stuff. As I begin to think about this and what the Lord was saying to him, when I begin to think about Joshua, him being the leader, one would think to themselves, he should have known something was wrong. How could Joshua have missed this? Truly, the Lord was on their side. He had brought them with Moses, leading them over the Red Sea on dry land. Then he turned around again and allowed Joshua to lead the children of Israel across the Jordan on dry land also. Not only that, but he had promised to do amazing things among them. God had promised to make Joshua great among the people so that they would know just like he was with Moses, he was with him. Yet he was lying there face down, drowning in sorrow, wondering what had happened. How can this be that I defeated them with less men than Jericho with the Lord on their side? After all, Joshua had just received confirmation. That's right. You heard me correct. Joshua had received confirmation before the attack on Jericho from a commander of the Lord's army. The Lord himself sent a commander of his army to Joshua. But yet here Joshua lies in sorrow, in the dirt, in defeat. To find out what happened next, join me next week on part two of this two-part series, Your Plan, God's Purpose. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for this teaching on Joshua today, letting us know, God, that it belongs to you. The battle is not ours, but the battle is yours. God, help us to walk in obedience to your word and to your will. God, help us not to look at things through our own eyes or our own lens. Help us not to formulate our own plans, oh God. Help us to know that you operate not in plan, but in purpose for our life. Help us not to lean to our own understanding, but in all our ways that we would acknowledge you and and you will direct our path. Though you slay us, O God, yet will we trust you. God, we thank you for every promise that you have given us. We're holding on to your promises today. It is in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for being a part of our Let's Wrap podcast family. We do pray that you'll come back next week for part two, the conclusion of your plan or God's purpose. If you have not yet became a part of our Facebook family, we also want you to click on our Facebook page at Yasha Ministry Walker. That's Y-A-S-H-A Ministry Walker, W-A-L-K-E-R on Facebook. We also invite you to come over and join our Let's Wrap Relationship Live group page. We do have a relationship group page we want you to be a part of. So if you would look on Facebook for Let's Wrap Relationships. Also, we want to remind you that we're constantly giving away free gifts to our Let's Wrap supporters. Often we have our supporters give away and we mail off free gifts, no cost to you. All that we ask is that you guys would listen, like, comment, share, share, share the podcast. The only way I know for sure that you are listening to the podcast, if you comment on one of our series or episodes. So please, if you like this podcast, if you're listening to it, if it is a blessing to your life, feel free to leave a comment. Last but not least, this podcast has an option where you can become a patron. In other words, you can become a financial supporter of the Less Rep podcast. We have that option set at $5 a month, but you can go in and change it to any amount you'd like. Great or small, your contribution will be greatly appreciated to help us with the furthering of the gospel. As always, I love you. Elder Michael Walker loves you, but God loves you more. Until the next time, have a blessed day.